It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, is Arthur Smith starting to finally feel the pressure in year three? And a lot of big moves made in Major League Baseball this weekend, but does Alex Anthopoulos have a final big move for the Braves? And last but not least, and for the culture, is Trey Young being disrespectful? That's all coming up next. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day One your first listener of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook for Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, it's Alex Anthopoulos making way for a big move before the trade deadline. We'll discuss all that. But first, we have to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, yes, 7-10, 7-10 in the first two years of this Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot regime. Now we're going into year three. Is the pressure starting to build? Because when you think about the financial situation or the financial shape this team was in when Terry and Arthur took over, it was pretty ugly. It, I mean, I, I know that's an oxymoron, but that's kind of how, how you can describe it as far as how who, the people they had to get rid of, the franchise-shaping people they had to get rid of, and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and all that stuff. So now, T, it seems like, or I can pretty pretty much bet, say okay for, 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 for sure in this one, he has the right talent in place to going into his third year. So do you think some of those – obviously the expectations are going to be raised when you're talking about having the right talent in place. So do you feel that Arthur Smith right now is starting to feel that pressure come on a little bit? Yeah, I, I can't see how you could not because you finally are out of cap hell. Yes. So you went out and got the players that you can get when you're out of cap hell, even if some may say, and I'm giving this as an example, some may say, hmm, you might've paid a little bit more for Jesse Bates, the third, than maybe people would wanted you to. But when you are out of cap hell, at least you have the option and the opportunity to be in the mix, to be able to pay a guy and make him say, Hey, I think I'll come to Atlanta. So that's one piece of it, right? The second mm -hmm. piece is, we're now in year three. So some of the pieces that you've had the entire time, the good pieces, a Grady Jarrett, a, an A.J. Terrell on defense, on offense, a Chris Lindstrom, and dare I say even a, a Jake Matthews, because those are the Absolutely, four that yeah. you've had all three years, right? Because if yeah. nothing else, Jake Matthews is consistent. So now that you are layering around them, here's an opportunity that you don't have to say anymore, like, I, I don't have the guns. Well, no, you you got you're surrounding those four people and dare I say as well again daring look at the three opponents you got games against this entire season I dare somebody to say that there's more stability or more upside to the Saints the Panthers or the Bucks and I'm just gonna ask you if you just 
I'm just going to ask you where, where have you been the entire off season? Because if you've right. been watching all of the off season moves in the NFC South, I really would say that, and this is objectively, I say the Falcons have made the most viable moves for you to be able to say, now everybody's in place. Now you have all of the things that were kind of dogging you the la- the first couple of years, all of those things are gone away. So yeah, now the pressure is on to show and prove. And you know what, the, for me, I, I really feel like, yeah, there's some pressure there from an outside perspective. But yes. when just looking at Arthur Smith and the type, type of person that he is and the way oh, that yeah. he's built, like, like I don't think he feels he it. I don't care. think he's I don't think he's going to even acknowledge it. He's like, yeah, it sure. Is. Like, you know, losing games and, hey, I'm here to win games. So I understand that part of it. But when you're talking about how I approach it, like my mindset going towards it, he I don't think he's going to fall into that at yeah. all. But. But yeah, that's why I asked that question when we were doing our pregame, pregame show, pre-brief show. Of course, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we do pregame guys, by the way. But yeah, that's why I was asking the question of like, what is the definition of pressure, right? Yeah. Because we keep hearing that word thrown out there by certain pundits. And it's like, okay, you're absolutely right, Jarvis. Arthur Smith, only the only pressure Arthur Smith feels is pressure he puts on himself. But then the definition of what is everybody else's definition of pressure then is it making the playoffs whether that's wild card or winning the division is it a winning record that tells you that you're confident that a playoff berth will happen next year i mean what is pressure really i think i think it's division or bust to be honest with you because for the reason that you just laid out because they did make more i feel like they made better moves you know, than the, than the teams in their um, particular yeah. division. Now, you're talking about a wild card? Like, I think your expectations are a little yeah. bit too high. You know, yeah. so you're talking about winning 11 or 12 games. I don't think yes. they're in that that boat. But given that no, no one had a winning record in the division last year, and right. coming into this year, you got guys like Baker Mayfield and, and Bryce Young and, and Derek Carr. Those are the quarterbacks you're going to face five times. You know, I'm mean, not sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to play, play six times in this season. So, though, now, granted, Bryce Young might go on to be one of the best quarterbacks the uh, Carolina Panthers ever had. Sure, but right. now he's a rookie. And rookie quarterbacks struggle in the NFL for the most part. So, I, and no one is going to sit up here and, and explain to me that Baker Mayfield is going to be a viable starting quarterback in, this, in, in the NFL because we've seen what he is and we know what he is. Derek yeah. Carr, yeah, he'll put up some numbers, but right. I don't trust him. I don't trust Derek Carr. No. You know, yeah. he's not a winner either. So let's go ahead and put that out there as well. So when you think about what they're going up against, I think the, mm-hmm. the expectations are, and I think that where the pressure comes from, like you mentioned, from the outside, it has to be to win that division because yeah. at the end of the day, like, there's no reason, no real reason not to. Because, like you said, you have one of the easiest schedules in the in the league. Like you said, you spent the money, you you spent the money on the veterans on the defensive side of the football, where you needed some veteran leadership on that side. Because hey, you you just haven't had it in these past couple of years, and DMPs will was screaming at the top of his lungs to let people know that too. You know what I'm saying? Without throwing people under the bus. So yeah. I, I think when you spend the money like you did on the on the, on, on the defense side of the football, then mm-hmm. you draft your young, explosive, yes. offensive weapons, and you know the, the head coaches, the offensive coordinator as well. So who call the plays on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things where I said, okay, all right, everything's lining up, Arthur. Yeah. And you know what? To be honest with the team, I really feel like he's going to get be able to get it done. I think so, too. And just to add before we move on, I think the other piece of the pressure is 
remember we were talking about this a lot last year, like woohoo, that the run game is top five, even top three, but your offense yep. isn't. Your offense is middling and right. your defense is nowhere even sniffing the top half in the NFL. I think Just that's bad. the other place where there's pressure as well. When you go out in the off season and you get all those pieces Top 10 are bust is, enough, yeah. you know, kind of like a subset of, the, of what you just mentioned about playoffs are bust. Well, then that means top 10 are bust for that defense. And I would venture to say as well, top 10 are bust for the offense, because now you have, to me, a more viable quarterback in Desmond Ritter. And you also have multiple weapons in his positionless brand of football so, so that yes. offense there's no reason that offense as a collective not just in the run game can't be top 10 too so i feel like there's some pressure there as well like okay drake london year two kyle pitts you're coming back stronger and all of the little pieces that we rarely talk about john New smith mike hollins what's cp gonna do now that he's got a little bit of pressure off of him and not carrying the whole load I think that's some pressure too. Again, not to say that that is pressure that Arthur Smith is putting on himself, but if you're asking the question of framing where the pressure is and what the expectations of why it's there, that's it too. And, and get out of the bottom of the cellar and sacking the quarterback for God's sakes too. Like let's let's <laughs> right? go ahead. Can we throw that in there, T? Like yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. You no, know, that's a great. Point. <laughs> that's a great point because it is time. QB hits are nice and passes defense are great. Hurries, that's cool. Hurries yeah. are nice. But no, get him on the ground yeah, and keep put him the there. damn quarterback on the ground. Yeah, get him yes, on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Choose violence. <laughs> Choose violence. Yes, yes. That's another moniker that we're going to adopt this year. Yes. Choose violence. Say, if you hear Jarvis and I say it every show, don't be mad because yes, I like it. We're moving. We're moving from pass rush matters because we've already told you that you know yes. what it is. So now when we say violence, choose violence. You all know what it means. You know what it Choose. Means. Choose ye today. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, speaking of choosing, how about this? How about you choose the number one sports book in America? How about that? FanDuel. FanDuel is right there waiting for you because guess what? You know, the second half of the season is rolled along. Did you get a chance to bet on those home runs over the weekend? Woo, you missed out if you didn't because Lord knows Matt Olson and Marcelo Zuna out here, they're going yard, yard, and yard, and more yard. So, yeah. You can go right there because FanDuel is the best app to go to bet on Major League Baseball. It's safe, secure, it's super dope, easy to use, and plus you don't got to worry about nobody getting all your information and sending you spam and all that good stuff. And once that bet clears, guess what? You get your money right away. You don't have to worry about texting nobody, trying to chase nobody down, trying to get your bread and all that good stuff. They got you covered. So here's what I want you to do. Go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown to take advantage of $200. Yes, all you got to do is drop 20 bucks, and you're going to get up to $200 in bonus bets back, win or lose. So it's, it's, a, it's a win-win for you. So we don't have to worry about losing when you talk about FanDuel.com. So FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel. It is the official sportsbook betting partner of Major League Baseball. And another good bet might be that Alex Anthopoulos is going to make a move before the trade deadline. The question is what kind of move that will be. So we've gotten some good news, right? We've gotten some encouraging news. The fact that on Sunday uh, we've got word that Max Fried is indeed on his way back. No more rehab starts. So it's looking like he's probably going to be inserted in the lineup for the Cubs series this weekend. Wow. That was yesterday. Then got more good news today that AJ Minter is 
done with his rehab assignments. He's off the IL, so he's on his way back. So you look at that, coupled with the exact thing you just said, Jarvis, about the bats just going crazy, 29 runs across the three games and a sweep of the Brewers, five out of six even in like the last you know 10 days collectively, and you say to yourself, okay, you've got that piece with the bats, right? And then mm-hmm. you've got this piece where the bats are now waking up again. And you've got this piece where you're getting Max Freed back and you're getting AJ Mentor back. So how much do those things, coupled with the fact that you look at the starts that you got this past weekend, you got a little bit of what you needed out of AJ Smith Sharver. Now you send him back to AAA. That's quite fine. Bryce Elder, you got pretty much what you needed out of him. How Jarvis do those things kind of dictate whether or not Alex Anthopoulos finally makes a big move. Oh, and my, I'm sorry, Jarvis. And might I add, because I, I know you're going to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. And part two of that, Jarvis, is how other moves around the majors may be dictating his moves. Ooh, when you think about like the, the Rangers trading yes. for, you know, uh, Max Scherzer and Jordan, you know, Montgomery. Uh, yeah, Jordan Montgomery and all that stuff, they just loading up and, yeah. it, and it's starting pitching because we all know like the the Braves scoring all these runs and all that stuff, that's all well and good. But when you start getting into those playoffs, tees, mm-hmm. like it's more so about timely hitting them versus trying mm-hmm. to go a yard because people are going to throw their best three guys out there, and you just gonna have to do you have to be effective. And right now, who's going to be that three right now? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, yeah. I know Elder. He's on. He's back. He had a couple back to back starts where he's kind of looking like he's on the men, both mm-hmm. of them against the Brewers. But you know, hey, we'll take it. But and then Uncle Charlie had his struggles as of late. So and he's going to be on the mound against the Angels tonight at Truist Park. So I think for me though, like when given the landscape of like you said the trade deadline, I go ahead and start with that one first. And you see all the all of all of the contenders are are doing what they need to do. The Dodgers, yeah. everybody, everybody out here yeah. doing what they need to do to you know to load up for the playoffs. And I, I think that. There is something very interesting that I feel like that makes me feel like, you know, um, the Braves are actually going to do something. Because when you think about what we what we are as far as shortstop, right? You know, the Orlando Arcia, he's pretty much locked in, and then you have the Braves go out and acquire Nicky Lopez. He plays shortstop, second base, third base, whatever, right? Right. Like, okay, like you got a young pup down there in Von Grissom that can play all those positions too. So I feel like this. Here's my here's my thing. I feel like Alex Anthopoulos is loading up to go get a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like that's that's kind of where he's going to lean towards going uh, getting right. You know, uh, when you're talking about a big move, if, if we're talking about a big move, I think that's starting pitcher. And also, the Braves checked in on Justin Verlander too. T like. <laughs> So that's, I mean, they, um, now I would say they weren't, there were any real negotiations, but he, they did check in to see what's going on because the Mets traded David Robertson, you know, uh, a really good reliever to the Marlins within a mm-hmm. division. So it's kind of like the Mets, like, hey, it's kind of free will. Hey, we're going to do what we need to do. So right. I, I think that all those things, all these factors, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like Alex Anthopoulos playing a little chess saying, you know what, I'm moving some things around and I'm trying to see, hey, what would you want if, like, dot, 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 fill in the blank? You know, right. if it's a Justin Verlander or or a Dylan Seas for out of the Chicago White Sox. If 
if we were to have, if we were to, if we were to engage in conversations, mm-hmm. what what would the starting point be? And I feel like yeah. Von Grissom would be a piece that would be in there if if if, if the the, the the return is right. And I feel like a guy like Justin Brella and, and definitely mm-hmm. Dylan C's because he's under control for like the next two or three years. Dude, yep. So that'll be worth it. Well worth it, you know, to, to go and make that type of move. Right. And here's what makes it worth it too. Where you started is where I want to continue, which is you started with the Rangers. Right. I'm not just concerned or from the perspective of, and we both admit on this show that we, this is the one team we agree on that we're both fans of. Right. So, you know, we're looking at it sometimes from a fan perspective, but also we can be objective. And so you mentioned something that I felt was an objective observation, right? Which is you're not just looking up and down the NL East. You're not just looking up and down the national league. You're looking up and down the entirety of major league baseball because that doesn't mean that you're right that doesn't mean that you're overlooking the dodgers or the brewers or any other national league team but you're looking towards the possibility of getting your second ring in three years and now i will input i will invoke this jarvis as a fan um and i know you you're even more so than me being born and raised here how difficult and you don't even have to answer this because it's rhetorical but how difficult was it for fans to watch the agony of getting 14 division titles and walking away with just one ring, you have an opportunity now to go all guns blazing to go after the second ring in three years. Miss me with conversation about, oh, well, you don't want to you know, take all those prospects while you got them. I mean, that's that's leverage. That's that's all that ever is. Yeah, there will exactly. be yeah, there will always yeah. be some that are untouchable. Like, pieces. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I hate to put it like that, but that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A Michael Harris the second or a Spencer Strider would be prospects that yes, you would agree that no, 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 don't touch those types. But there are still maybe that second tier or maybe one beers I'll call them where you can you know for sure you can package those and get somebody like Justin Verlander and do whatever else it is that you need to do because again, last I checked. Everybody else is going in win win now mode. Even the Angels, even the Angels and Cubs, who both gone on winning streaks of like six, seven, eight games and decided, you know what? Maybe we're in this thing. So maybe we won't go fire sale after all. So if teams that are right at 500 are saying, nope, we're going to go ahead and go for this, why wouldn't we expect the same of Alex Anthopoulos, especially because we're probably only talking about one player away? Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like that's that what makes it so uh, attainable. Right. You know, yeah. because of like literally this lineup is loaded and literally the biggest question mark right now. Like I understand the whole bullpen piece, mm-hmm. but that starting rotation is like, yeah. are you I mean, I know Elder has been pretty solid throughout the year, went to the all star game for the first time. But are you would you put him over Justin Verlander in mm-hmm. the playoffs? Or would you put him over Dylan Cease in the playoffs? Those, those are the type of things, questions you have to answer, you know, when it comes time to, you know, saying, hey, we're going to be able to compete for a World Series and we're going to be able to do it right now. Right. Bryce Elder, three years from now, he might be able to – he might be that guy, T. He might be your third guy locked yeah. in at that rotation. Yep. But now, I can't really say that. Like, I mean, I understand the whole ERA piece. Looking, uh, He's looked good these last two starts. Mm-hmm. But – I'm talking about right now here right in the now. moment because you've already, you know, um, thought out your whole future because you locked all these young guys up. Yes. Like you mentioned, Michael Strider, I mean, Michael Strider, Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. Like you've 
You talked about you locking your guys. Ronald Cunha Jr., Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy. All those guys are under contract for at least the next three or four years. So Mm -hmm. it's all it's it's gotta be about the now. Like because you've taken care of your future. So now, yes, I I really wholeheartedly feel that Axenthopolis is gonna be up to something, and I think we're gonna see um by six what six six o'clock or six thirty tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, 6, 6 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. I'm thinking first pitch tomorrow. tonight, yeah. but no, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time, yes. So, yeah, we'll see the, We'll see then. And I think Alex Anthopoulos, I think he's kind of moving some pieces around to say, hey, I think this might work. Yeah, and I think, too, when you're at the height of your powers, you can't make the assumption that the next year and the next year and the next year you're going to be at the height of your powers. And that's really for any league, right? So mm-hmm. you don't know because, yes, you were able to – get the world series without a healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. So we, we yes. right. So we saw you get it done, <laughs> yes. but that doesn't mean that you can make that magic happen again. Right. No, and we also no. saw last year where you had every opportunity to get another world series under your belt, except you started hitting the injury, the injury bug hit you. And then you started Oblique hitting the wall. With your yeah. With your gaps. pitching rotation yeah. and mm-hmm. your bullpen. And then the Phillies were able to sneak past you. So again, all things considered, you're at the height of your powers at the plate. You're at the height of your powers in the field. The only place you're not at the height of your powers in is the mound, but you're getting there. Yes. Get there two ways. Number one, bring the guys back who have been injured. And number two, give them a little bit of insurance, just the way you did when you went out and got an outfielder. Just a little bit of insurance never helped hurt anybody. That I, I think it would be well worth it because, again, do you want to parade down Peachtree Street or don't you? Yeah, this time we're going to go like normal speeds, how parades do, <laughs> once they go Peachtree Street. <laughs> I'm still sour about that one, too. Right. Really like, no. Oh, so triggered. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm still a little triggered. I, I'm still a little touched about that, right, that, that uh, <laughs> motor speedway type parade they went through downtown to get up to the truest parking and the battery and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, right. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Continue. That, my bad. Continue. Sorry. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because you can see that Jarvis wants a do over and in a good and positive way, I'm sure the Braves would like a crack at a do-over too. But hey, listen, if they make any moves before 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, you know we are going to tell you about it. We also have some more deep dives for Falcons training camp. You know those guys. You heard Pat's popping today in Flowery Branch, so we're going to talk more about that as well tomorrow. And, of course, anything else that comes out of the Atlanta sports landscape, we got you. We got you right here on ATL Day Ones. So make sure that you guys check out the videos, drop something in the chat, especially if you were at the dream game yesterday, post game, and you had a white t-shirt on or a white, maybe it's a collared shirt, right? A white collared shirt. And you came up and said, hey, T, I watch you guys every day. And I didn't get your name. So I just wanted to shout you out to thank you for watching us. Tell all your friends to come and do the same. We appreciate you for that. And of course, do not forget to download us wherever you download your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, when you think about like the 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 the, the mainstays in, in, in NBA basketball, right? The guys that we see all the time. I always talked about how I think we've talked about this before about how the NBA veterans kind of like the guys who kind of made a name for themselves, like the Larry mm-hmm. birds and the Dr. J's and, 
you know, all those guys kind of just ate so well, you know, yes. and like those guys just kind of stuck around for so, so long. Yeah, and still, yeah. You know, you, you just have a sense of respect, you know, for those guys. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I think I may be going a little bit too far, but, you know, I, I know you always going to bring me back to life. So Dr. J, you know, he was uh, in the conversation. He released his top 10 players of all time in no particular order. And I want to get your thoughts on this list because Trey Young had uh, some very interesting uh, thoughts on it. But he said Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, Elgin Baylor, Wood Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Carl Malone, and Tiny Archibald. And Trey felt some type of way about this and quote tweeted the, the list and said this got to be fake. Hashtag with all due respect. Now we know how that with all due respect, right? You know what comes after it. Like, time, nine, nine, 100, 100% of the time people say, you know, they're going to be disrespectful after that <laughs> statement. So do you think Trey need to calm down a little bit T because oh no, I'm feeling kind of, I'm some type of way. Like, dude, you know, that's Dr. J, right? Like this ain't no rando player that you play against. Like this is Dr. J, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I can see his rationale for Hakeem Olajuwon because I tell people all the time, like old school, if you take Michael Jordan out of the mix for me, he is my favorite player because as a dancer, it was like watching dance in motion, like poetry in motion. He played the most beautiful brand of basketball for a big that I have ever seen, even to this day. So I can totally see that. But I think you make a great point about the fact that We talked about this on Friday's show when we were talking about our Mount Rushmore of Atlanta pros and how we would have to put Michael Vick on the mountain because he changed not only the trajectory of that team and of the city, but the position of quarterback that is resonating to this day. That is what Dr. Mm -hmm. J did. He was over in a whole other league and pretty much kept the ABA afloat because of what he did and then came over even in, you know, I don't want to say his twilight years, but obviously he was a bit older and was still able to get a championship and do things that were never seen before. So when you see all of the crazy things that we saw, even in this past uh, dunk contest, right, for Mm -hmm. NBA All-Star Weekend, guess where it originated? Julius Irving. Julius Irving. So, yeah, I think you probably want to kind of like pipe down a little bit on that one. And to add to that, too, like, and he's a young guy, you know, like I said, I don't even know what generation it is. I'm, I stopped trying to figure out which letter they, he's in. I think I might be in a letter of a, who knows. Anyway, but I, I think that you kind of have to look at the, at the time, right? Where you, you talked about, you know, the area he played in. He played in ABA and then came over into the NBA. So you look at some of those names on there, like you understand why he has Tiny Archibald on there because, oh sure, like because Trey's been compared That's, to Tiny Archibald exactly, because of his yeah. numbers and, and leading the t- leading league and, and points and assists and, and all that stuff. Indeed. Like like that was the first yep, time that has been done since Tiny Archibald. Like, right. So hey, you yeah. know, like that's your comparison, dude. So you might want to mm-hmm. say have a little respect for you know um, some of those things. So I, I think that when when you have that, so it, he only can go off of what you know, what he experienced and, you know, at the height of his career, he understands the players, you know, that were coming into the league. Michael Jordan obviously came into the league, you know, after he did. And then right. he kind of saw that and understood like the impact that he had on the game. So you understand some of those things, but you know, you know, I know people might be feel some type of way about it, but you know, like if he doesn't have 
what Kobe Bryant on there. Like right. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like I understand. I understand it because that was just the time. So yeah. that's why I feel like some of these conversations we be having about the goats, you know, it can be a little whack sometimes yeah. because it depends on how old you are. It's exactly. what, it's what, you, what, what you're going to say, what your yeah. answer is going to be. So right. I, I think that, you know, I don't, I don't think he trade meant anything by it to be no. honest with you, but, but I think he has to understand like, bro, like, this doc, this is doc. Like, yeah. and this man used to perform surgery on, on on basketball courts long before you even thought about being born. Probably a little bit before your daddy was born too. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, when you see some of the old footage, like I remember seeing a documentary of him on TNT a couple of years ago, and it's just mind-boggling. It's absolutely yeah. mind-boggling what he was able to do, and it does put into context what we see even today in the league. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, speaking of putting it in the context, um, like when you sent me this story, T, I had kind of already seen a little video of it. So, you know, you know how we bring it to the people, you know, we're going to have a conversation about it. So, for those you don't know, young Miami, you know, her, her, little, her little boy was having, uh, 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 it was celebrating his birthday, and they were down in Miami, you know, at, a, at, a, at, at, the, at this event, you know, mm-hmm. and he was with JT, her rapping partner. You know, so he was supposed to be watching her. She was supposed to be watching him, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And he's only 10 years old. So there was this video that JT actually dropped. And he was making it rain on some uh some some dancers, T. And uh I'm 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 kinda touched and flabbergasted because, you know. As a grown behind man with kids of his own, yeah, to see a ten year old out there throwing money at the dancers, it just it just felt icky to me. And you yeah. know, she even doubled down, saying, right. "You know, this is why I don't put my stuff out there." But like, that's not the point. <laughs> it's like your homegirl put it out there, so it's out there for public consumption. So. You don't then go and defend what the heck she was doing. You don't even acknowledge it to, uh, uh, for the most part. Yeah. It's just weird to me just to see yes. a ten-year-old T out here making it rain on some dancers. Like I'm, just, I'm just, I mean, that's that's how I gotta put it in context. Like right. this is what it is. Like I just don't feel comfortable watching that. They, and they you should, know what they should be to, doing it. it. Not at all. Not at all. And you know what came to mind as you were telling the story is, you know how like kids whenever they do something right and they're little two three four um sometimes they'll drop a curse word because they've heard mom or dad drop a curse word and you just chuckle and you laugh and you go that was real cute, oh, that's cute. Yeah. but you have to check some of the ill-advised behaviors at some point or yes. it's going to become their normal yep. so at 10 years old why wouldn't he think this is normal to make it rain like that's nothing that he should be thinking about in his teens maybe 20s and beyond but again, you are normalizing this. And this is yeah. only what we know. God knows what else you're norm- normalizing with, with that kid. Again, well, you do video, you. Yeah. Right, exactly. You do you <laughs> yeah. and whatever you want to do as the city girls and whatever you want to do with your videos yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's, you're grown. So that's a decision that you make as an artist. But as a child, he's impressionable. So if this is what you allow him to do in it's okay and it's all good. And we're not prudes on this show by any stretch of the imagination. Not at all. But we definitely want to always make sure the kids get the right message, right? And yeah. I don't see, I mean, Jarvis, there's nothing right about that, like at all. No, no. Sorry, young. Um, yeah, you're wrong on this one. I'm sorry. 
I think ATL day ones is letting you know that you're wrong. wrong. And, you know, yeah, I'm let's sorry. learn from this. Let's yes. learn from this. Let's yes, grow. let's learn from this and grow. That's what we're all about, growth, here on ATL Day Ones. And we thank you guys for helping us grow to getting us over 8,000 subscribers. Don't forget, if you haven't liked or subscribed to our YouTube channel, please go ahead and do so. And if you missed us on video, check us out on audio. And we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And last but not least, folks, before we get out of here, I got to make sure I do this each and every day. If you don't do anything else with your life, make sure that you both share love, show love, Stop letting your 10-year-old make it rain in the club and spread some love. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.